0: Hey, Alex Terry here. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. We are here to discuss all about leadership, thinking and behaviors. We are here to talk about how to transit from control command leadership to more inspiring leadership with high influence and trust. We are going to deep dive into three components of leadership and performance. Cognitive, emotional and behavioral. And talk about how mastering our mind and thinking will actually change our action and results. Our thoughts are powerful, trust me. They determine how you feel, your decisions and actions. Your thoughts are one of the most powerful tools you will ever have in changing your life and career. By mastering your thinking, emotions and behaviors, you will create greater results for yourself, for your family, friends, or your team. Focusing on thinking, feeling, and acting will improve your confidence, of course, reduce stress, and empower you and the others around you, inspire and improve engagement in your team or collaboration, and of course, create high performance. I hope you will enjoy our episodes. And please don't forget to comment or contact us. Please ask questions. Please send us ideas of what topics you are interested in and we will discuss anything you need. Have a beautiful day. Hello, everyone, and thank you very much for tuning into my podcast. As I promised, we will have a little bit different sessions with a few amazing guests. And we will talk about circular economy, we will talk about the environment, we will talk about a few different topics and supply chain, because we know there's a lot of pressure out there. And uh, we would like to use this message information or advice or anything that we will talk about today. We would love to use it the way that is not going to cause more stress. We actually want to really reduce the stress because we know leaders, government, big companies are under pressure. And today we really want to help. That's all. And I, I spoke with Kim and Chris before uh, before our meeting today, and they said the one and only goal we have is definitely just help them. It's just really spread a message and talk about these, um, the circular economy. But we will talk about that and I will ask Kim and Chris to clarify because they are experts in this field. I would love to welcome Kim Horwood. Uh, she's an environmental scientist and a supply chain expert Chris Trowbridge. And I would love to then start basically from beginning like how did you meet guys? what was the conversation? how did you even end up here and and we can we can move from there to talk about circular economy and how you can actually help leaders out there to make the life easier, make the work easier, and reduce the stress if you can. Thanks, Alex.
1: Kim and I had a quick chat and I said that uh, maybe I'd just start on the, the, uh, the background, I think firstly thanks Alex for the opportunity to host the podcast for us and get this conversation out there, and I think secondly I'm really fortunate to be working with Kim who's a, an amazing environmental scientist, I would say font of knowledge for the circular economy, a topic that is still massively understood and underestimated what the impact is. And, to where Kim and I, I'll give my version of where Kim and I met, and then I'll kind of let Kim give her, her background um, to her journey so far. So in my previous role, um, working for a large logistics company, I was um, fortunate to have the opportunity to write strategy for the, for the business moving forward, which was the resource business and business in the industrial business. And I started to focus on the, the ESG component where it links a supplier to its customer. And I kind of became heavily involved in looking at carbon neutrality. But then looking at the business I was dealing with, I realized that um, a lot of its supply, a lot of the companies it worked for produced huge amounts of waste. And again, a lot of the companies it provided services for actually used waste in their services. And I delved more into it myself and realized that there was this thing called the circular economy out there, which was, was, very, was very much um, misunderstood and still is. And then jumping forward, so I wrote that uh, strategy two to two and a half years ago, um, which again, circular economy wasn't really being discussed. It was not that well being promoted. And then I left my previous company, happened to go into a conversation uh, with a third party that Kim was sat in in the same meeting. And Kim and I started, I was obviously talking about my view of supply chain and what you do with waste, how it can then be reused not really knowing what, what Kim had been dealing with, although Kim and I had met 12 years previous. So anyway, I was talking about, you know, reusing waste. It's not just about supply chain. It's this whole, you know, circular economy piece. And then post that meeting, Kim and I didn't really converse much during the meeting, but then Kim reached out after the meeting and said, you are the only other person talking this similar language. And that's what I said to Kim. You're the only other person who's talking a similar language to me. You're talking about circular economy, Kim. I'm talking waste, it's where it's generated, where it moves through. And that's where we were both thinking on the, the same along the same lines, but within our own fields. And that's what started the conversation. So I'll hand over to, to, to Kim to give her background and kind of context as to where we got to.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Chris. That was that was awesome. I like I like to always listen to backstory. You know, what happened, how how did you meet? It's really cool. I think it's uh, giving the the real realness or authentic authenticity to actually the connection and where you want to go and yeah thank you so much
2: and thank you chris um yeah it's been a really good journey and knowing chris through a lot of my working career um i've been in the regulatory capacity i've been working for companies i've done a teeny bit of consultancy a bit of strategy and a bit of workshop work um And one thing I've always noticed is that waste is the forgotten brother, um, especially working in consultancy. And when I was working in the big oil and gas companies, that's where I first met Chris. And you can't green and you can't improve waste if you're not digging deep into the supply chain. I think I remember meeting Chris um, in supply chain improvement projects. um, And that was when we were trying to discuss how we could actually improve how we managed our waste on our facilities and our assets Um, and chris is an amazing he's got an amazing credible working um, knowledge of the supply chain and how to make improvements and that's what you've got to do you've got to know exactly what a supply chain is and everybody's got a supply chain i think it's so often how people discuss things and just forget that they have got a supply chain it's the logistics of moving something from one place to another which is what pretty much all businesses except for consultancy do. Um, So, yeah, we are both passionate about consultancy and waste um, and having worked in big companies and oil and gas companies, I'm passionate about helping the supply chain and understanding that whole net zero conversation and how the circular economy fits in with that. And how important it is to get our biodiversity problems and our biodiversity issues corrected, our water issues corrected, and how all of that fits in with the net zero discussion. Because net zero sits and is getting a lot of focus at the moment Yeah. and carbon. But at the end of the day, if we don't fix our own supply chains and we don't fix how we manage our waste and we don't fix... Our biodiversity problems and our water problems—we're never going to actually get to net zero, and that's where the latest science is coming out. Yeah,
0: and I look—I I love the the approach that both of you coming from experience, both of you solve the problem, and that's why I really value that because there's so many consultants, so many companies out there, and and everybody's expert. Now, I think there is already really big pressure from uh, from leaders' perspective coming from inside, basically. That means you actually can easily analyze what was going wrong or what can be improved. And probably the analysis and consulting is much deeper on that level because you can actually really add value to every leader because you understand the supply chain, you understand the problem, you saw that you were trying to find solutions before. That means you know working for 15, 20 years in oil and gas and trying to find solutions, I believe there is some kind of experience that can you know help you to, to really create Great solutions for big companies, and and uh, that's why I'm really happy that we have this conversations conversation together. And are you are you okay to go straight away to circular economy? Because I like when you mention how you know we are focusing on net zero, and how we can actually uh, understand how that actually circular economy fi- fix uh, fit in. That better word fit into that, and actually helps people to to achieve the goals. Because I know that we talked about that before. There's a lot of crazy movements, reactions on the on net zero goal. And people will just fast, quickly want to do something and solve the problem. And they cause even more probably damage that we don't want actually that happens. happen. Let me see. I would love to hear more about that. If you can let us know how that works, uh, what we can focus on, and maybe what will be really helpful for leaders out there. I'm not sure if Kim or Chris. I will leave. I will leave you guys. I can see you looking at each other. I, I think it's time to unleash Kim. This, <laughs> this is
1: where the passion starts to flow.
0: Cool. I saw her smile. She was like, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> let's talk about this."
2: <laughs> I think um, I love what you said about knowing what's going on in companies and understanding how to change. It's it's really a knee jerk reaction can take place, and people who haven't actually worked in supply chain or actually within a company, embedded in a company, environmental company, generally don't really understand how the systems and processes work and the improvements you need to make to be able to make a sustainable yeah. um, change, but also to understand your leadership minds and your your senior leadership minds to be able to influence them better. Um, and at the end of the day, it's all bottom, it's all red because you do everything for compliance and you do everything for money. So whilst we all want to, be great and do green, we all want to have our businesses need to make money. Yes. And so we need to have find that balance. Um, so to explain a linear versus a circular economy, a linear is I take extract stuff from the ground, I mine it, I I drill, I make take it by little tracks poof poof to a machine and we A company, a a, a manufacturer, we turn it into a product. But usually to get it into that product from the mine, it's had to go to several other manufacturing or other processing facilities before it can be turned into a product. Yeah, you took oil and gas, for instance, you'd have to go seismic. Those are big boats that go for 45 days up and down in the ocean Then you have to do an exploration drill, which is a 45 to 60-day, which is boats going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, a big, huge drill rig, drilling a hole. We've said yes. Now we've got a whole lot of software and a whole lot of software systems that the geologists are using to find the reservoir. That's about a a year's process. And then you've got a – and software systems are carbon intensive. Then you've got – you do a You do a whole project, you build an FPSO, yeah. you drill 22 more of these holes, you extract the oil from the ground, you take it to a first initial processing facility, it then goes to a refinery, and then it then gets to refine into oils and, and types of carbons that can change, into hydrocarbons that can change into another product, which will then get changed into plastic, which will then get changed from the basic plastics into your clothes, into your drink bottles, into whatever you're using. So there's... Yeah a huge chunk of carbon and loss of biodiversity and water intense use until that point then we just as a some, as a human being we take it we eat it we use it throw totally. <laughs> away two or three times maybe it gets recycled once or twice we throw it away it goes into a landfill maybe gets recycled and that's a linear economy a circular economy is a completely different thing it's going we understand all of that carbon all of the biodiversity loss and all of the water loss and the renewables loss until that point. We then use it and we see how, number one, we can reduce it, how we can avoid using it at all, or how we can build it and design it so that it can be reused, repurposed and taken apart. Um, We also look into our own systems and companies' processes and systems to say, wow, can we build this fridge so that it can come back and get maintained through us so that we can rent it out or what can we do differently to kind of build something longevity? Think 1950s, you know, when we used to build things and they used yeah. to last forever, Toyota. Um, then we go, can we reuse it? Can we recycle it? And it's got to go backwards around and round and around. Um, And we're trying to get that plastic. Plastic's a great opportunity. It's yeah. gonna get reused 1000 times as long as we don't downcycle it, we don't reuse it, put into a pair of shorts, say that it's been recycled and then it can never yeah. ever be recycled again. So great plastic is now getting put into landfill to get micro plastics. Um, we wanna recycle, we wanna upcycle everything we can and we just wanna keep on using. You're always gonna get a res- resi- residue. But what I've been seeing in the last 20 years and one of the other jobs I do is look at waste facilities. i ordered quite a few of them is that there's so many amazing facilities that are coming up with so many intense, amazing reuse opportunities and recycle opportunities. Yeah. So that hopefully that residual loss of waste will get smaller and smaller as we go and as the years go past. Yeah. Waste to energy, composting, and any form of disposal into landfill is always at the very, very bottom of any waste hierarchy and is that. It's capital and it's nature intensive, carbon intensive.
0: It feels like like basically at each level we need solution, right? Like we need solution uh from the companies they're already selling the fridges, for example. Like we need to kind of like understand how we can get them back. But also you're talking about solutions at the beginning. That means you really have to go through all cycle in the yeah. circular economy and and find solutions and tweaks basically or change yeah. change small things to slowly get into that the right I guess net zero or you know like having that real circular economy. Uh, for, it's for a very time.
2: long process. Yeah. So the circular economy concept has only been around for a short period. Or yeah. Relatively short. Um, a lady called Ellen MacArthur discovered it and kind of she pulled it yeah. together. So it's the Ellen MacArthur Foundation and they're really great. Yeah. Um, it's kind of twisting and morphing and moving as we go and, and people are slowly starting to get into it. And the whole idea is to really reduce net zero. And, yeah. and, and we do. We all have to look and everybody can do it. Everybody, even as a consultant, you can become more circular.
0: Uh, absolutely yeah I definitely I am interested in that and we we do what we can at home right like we have compost and like we have all these small things that we we're really trying to reduce like I don't have actually waste like I, I feel almost silly that I, I don't need to put my uh bin outside because it's like nothing in my red bin right <laughs> I'm really it's proud good. of that uh, I'm really happy and uh look it's it's the personal stuff where, like you know like I just decided to do it and I think from perspective of uh because what, what I hear, like circular economy for me, is always something attractive. I just love that. Like, I love when companies start to tailor the jeans when you order them. That means they don't make them, you know, thousands of them. I don't, they don't put them in the shops, you know, like it's, I think it's great. And companies, they really try to get your washing machine back or they rent washing machine and, and you pay actually, you know, how much you use it. I think those small things, because when we think about 20 years ago or maybe 30 years ago, I don't know, when I was young, (laughs) uh, that was amazing. You know, we we bought one washing machine or a fridge and we had it for life. Like I remember my parents didn't need to buy new stuff. And now, you know, you're moving houses and and you are living in a house where you need to call every year someone to try to check your washing machine. And They said, sorry, you can buy a new one because it's cheaper. That means it's actually not anymore working the way we were working. We were so much better in the past. And basically with the comfort, I guess, you know, we became lazy or lazier, all of us. And um, we just use everything, you know, once and, and we don't care. And I think from perspective, like, what is what I believe is very important to answer is, okay, why is that important? Like, probably give me both of you some kind of your personal overview or idea or opinion. Why do you think circularity is really important for everyone? I think
1: for me, the, the first thing is, and it's kind of come out in, in what you both said, and the key thing is, and it's that underpinning principle of, circular economics the systems of thinking how you think about things as well um and i think one of the other biggest issues is you can back to the you know we've seen impoverished nations and they're very ingenious about how they reuse recycle you know they they don't throw anything away everything gets repurposed constantly. but that's that's true necessity and you can see what's happened in the more affluent societies where money's not a problem like you say you move house the sofa doesn't fit in the new theatre room, so I need to get a new sofa. You know, it's just too easy just to be and use and throw away without kind of really taking, even to the point of, do I donate it rather than throwing it away? You know, there's always something yeah. that's got a better purpose rather than, you know, just continuing to consume for the sake of consumption because both And let's face it, you know, you can even see right now they're saying that, you know, there's going to be another interest rate increase um, tomorrow more than likely to try and curb inflation. But again, especially in Australia, you know, it's a wealthy nation. Okay, there are levels of still poverty in parts of Australia, but you know, people can still afford to spend therefore they'll keep pushing interest rates up. So so that doesn't really answer the question, I suppose, but my key thing is, certainly it's about systems, I think, and how you think about what you've got, what you buy, and even to the point of you know that consumption thing—you are going to buy something new. Yeah. like To kind of point to point your point, Alex. You know, think about what happens when it when it when I finish with it. What will it? What will I yeah. do with it? So that's the kind of key thing for me about the circular economy. And but then also, you know, you've got to look at where when it comes to circularity. You know, is this product I'm going to buy? Can it actually do this this kind of yeah. thing that it says? that the supplier says that that it does.
2: And again, I think
1: we kind of see a lot of that about how I'm very green, everything's being recycled. But back to, I think, one of the key things for Kim and I is great, you know, you are recycling products, whether it's you make jeans to order then you send them back, when they've got holes in them, we repurpose the denim. But then again, that's great. But then how green is your supply chain that's got this great green business that sits above it? And that's what happens is you know it's a bit of yeah. well yeah it's great the products green, but actually how it gets to you is still a bit, you know, yeah, there's gray and dirty.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of parts into that. I think that's what we sometimes forget because the, the end of end product, right? When people use it for advertisement, we are green, we're doing this and this. Uh they don't show you all supply chain of what is happening there. I agree, like that's that's another, you know, I guess hidden problem or issue that, that needs to be showcased or
1: we we received some, uh, or my wife received some products from, again, a company that, you know, you refill the bottles the products that you get. But it was two products that came in a large box, lots of cardboard. And their last uh, statement was, you know, this this is a carbon neutral product. And now this is the other thing is it's carbon neutral. But are you just offsetting those those emissions? Or have you tried to reduce them as much as possible? Yeah. And what do I and what do I do with the waste that you've now given me? Okay, it's made of recycled material,
2: yeah.
1: what do I what do I do? I mean, me right now, I'm living in a in a remote, rural community <laughs> in, in WA, and I know what happens to all of my waste, and, it, and it's about 10 kilometers outside outside of town, it's a big hole. So yeah, it's it's it, there's oh, a lot that's of scary.
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Bring it
2: back to what Chris has said. I'll give you some stats. 22, the world produced 22 billion tonnes of waste to landfill last year. Um, and that's only the waste that went to landfill. There's a lot of waste that was illegally dumped. That was 2.6% of the world's greenhouse gas contribution, which is more than the airline industry. So we're all jumping and running about the airline industry, but we're forgetting about each and every single one of us creates waste. In Australia alone, we had 76, sorry, my cat, 76 million tonnes of waste in Australia that we were doing. And only 36%, only about half of that, just under half is getting recycled. Um, And if we're all going to go into the waste to energy debate, waste to energy just goes up. We're not burning at all completely because you cannot burn elementals. And a lot of the chemicals that we are putting into the atmosphere yeah. essentially get into the atmosphere and they have to what goes up and it needs to come down. Yeah. So research is showing that the European market, where they've done waste energy, there is chemicals higher than normal chemicals around the facilities where the chemicals have come down. Yeah. So, when we do waste energy, when we're doing this landfill, exactly what Chris is saying, all that we're doing is perpetuating a problem. We're consumerism. We're allowing consumerism to happen, and we're just perpetuating the entire issue. So that's why I'm passionate about it. And the other reason I'm passionate about it is I studied waste in my master's degree, and I spent two years looking at the waste that comes off ships. And in those days we that's were just... Scary. It is, and the ways that we're just figuring out about that thing called gyros, you know, the big waste ponds on the ocean. We're only just kind of figuring out about those, and we're also looking at how it came onto the ocean, and we were figuring out that many boats were going off and you had to have that much waste created at sea per day. Therefore, you should be bringing this much waste in, and the harbors should be checking on how much waste Mm. you, you are bringing in, and nobody was doing it. So that's where the waste is going. So yeah, I'm I'm highly passionate about it because if we continue with the way we're doing, we're never going to solve the solution. Yeah. And easy, you do see knee jerk reactions. I think I spoke to you the other day about it where, well, we're all going to go into wind turbine and we're all going into wind. That's great. But without looking at a circular economy, we're producing wind turbines that are made out of carbon. These things cannot be recycled. They cannot be reused. So now we're putting these massive, massive voluminous chunks of carbon. And where do we put them? Australia is a great, huge company country. We've probably got more free land than anywhere else, else in the world. Do we put those in landfills? We're going to circular. We're going to solar. We haven't actually come up with there are very few solar panel recycling companies that are actually recycling so that they don't have another problem. Um, and that's what the government is starting to see these days is recycling and without proper circular economy thinking, we are creating one issue and we need knee-jerking and create, causing a solution, but then causing another problem.
0: Yeah.
2: So, at all, the, all, it's, 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 a, it's a void.
0: Yeah, it, it is It is big cycle because when you think about that like for example like we are all sitting here we're trying to reduce our own waste right like we are thinking about that like probably we are we are people I believe we are kind of like probably average you know in from from perspective of like yeah I'm going for walk. we pick up the mess you know we try to really separate the stuff and and we really try to do the best what we can but I think when I came to Australia because there's a lot of immigrants in Australia for example, I didn't have any idea because we we separated um, all our ways different way. That means I thought I was doing good thing, when I came here. And honestly, it's just probably silly, but it didn't, you know, kind of get into my mind. Like that's something different. You know, I should uh, do something with my plastic. I should do something with my glass. And I think those small things, I believe there is no real education from experts because that's, I, I just see it as a problem because everybody is expert now. And if everybody will be expert, there is a lot of confusion, you know, in messages and what is coming and and what you should do and how you should do it. And I think that's the major reason. That's why I ask, you know, like, what is, why, why do you think is important? And actually now we can go to the step, like what we can do as a, as a mm-hmm. business owner, as a leader, as a leader in oil and gas, you know, that, that that's probably massive because there is massive industry here it's so important to know what we can do to actually help, you know, and, and actually don't do not do opposite. Like, you know, don't, don't cause more problems, I guess, but because of the education and because of the confusion from uh, government, market people, everybody's writing about it. Everybody has their own opinion. That's why I also ask you, you know, like, what do you think? What is your opinion about that yeah. before we meet? Because I only see that in that like last three years, you know, there was COVID. Now it, it's we are going to economic crisis. Like there's always something, right? Like n- now last probably three, four years are not really easy. Now we have net zero. And, and I know it's important, but because it's so close to all these uncertainties, from from me, from perspective of leadership or behavioral science or, or neuroscience, we are under so much pressure that we can't think straight, to make decision about such a big problem as waste, you know, such a big problem as implementation of circularity into my business, or like I'm talking about me as a, if I have big business, like, you know, oil and gas, That means is let's help there. Like let's, let's have a look what we can start doing or who we can maybe listen or how to f- actually find those, you know, best experts. Cause I, I believe you guys are from that environment. That's great. For me as a leader, that will be great. But can I even think straight when I'm under pressure and stress? My cortisol is high and I'm trying to save my employees. And I'm now trying to find new employees that are not here in Australia because we are, you know, losing talents. And, and it's just so many problems. That means we probably push away net zero, right? Like we are like, oh, I will do it later. Mm-hmm. And, and push it away because that's natural and, and we can't handle more stress. Yeah, if you can use this space for let's reduce some stress. Let's actually help people to understand they don't need to do this massive change, but they can start step by step. step. You know, what they can do as first thing, what what conversations they can have, where we can start to actually help them to implement small steps, but don't overwhelm them. I know that's a big question probably.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, one of those things is and then we discussed it briefly last time we spoke. Is you know, don't be afraid of asking the question because not everybody is an expert, and a lot of people, you know, talk about being an expert, but I think it really is selecting the right people for the, for the problem. Um, and you know, there are lots of large consultancies out there as well that have got a lot of very great people that. Really, are they fit for your, are are they just a generic consultancy or have they got the expertise really to drill down? And I think that's what one of the things that Kim and I have always kind of not hung our hat on, but kind of noticed the difference between you went for a consultancy that can tell you, you know, what your waste is, what your carbon footprint is fantastic. But, you know, this is the difference with Kim and I have both put humility as one of our as one of our uh, values and that's because we know where we came from we weren't born into this we weren't born with brilliant minds about supply chain or circularity yeah. and waste we've gone through an operational period where we've learned about these things over a period of time so you know we come with that level of humility as well yeah we've learned along the way and we understand that, that also we some of the value we can apply to, to business as well so <laughs> that's the key thing and, where we, Kim and I, start the process is, there's, there's two there's two approaches we like to take. is One is that there's a data-driven uh, process that tells you, by the data we'll ask you for, about, you know, where do you think you are on circularity? Where do you think you are on sustainability? And then the second approach is, it's very much a, um, an opinion-based activity. You know, where do you think you are? And what we like to do, then, is bring the two things together. is because we all like to think we're a lot better than we are, or we're a lot further on the journey than we are. So, you know, getting that um, perception, my personal perception thought on where I am on this maturity curve to sustainability or or net zero and then pulling out the data, which really lays out the detail. It's a good meeting of perception versus data and ultimately uh, environmental scientific data is not going to lie. It's what you told us. So that's the approach I'd like to take and it kind of brings people on that, yeah. And and I think that's a we figured that was a really nice way to, to help people to start to understand. And once you understand, you can either further engage or kind yeah. of go, well, take a few weeks, to just let that digest. Kim, I don't know whether you kind of want to add your thoughts because some of this <laughs> this is some of your IP as well as mine as well.
2: Um I completely agree. I think when I helped um companies, some of the big massive global companies go circular or put circular strategies in place I think one of the biggest one of the most provoking things was one of our vice presidents of the supply chain said to me how are we going to monetize waste and that was when he could choose his goals performance goals said it's got to be monetization of waste and it was changing that mindset and the mindset is it's so expensive to put circular economy. It's so expensive to do this. It's not really. It's changing it. How can I see waste as a resource? The change. What can I? How yeah. can I reduce my costs when it comes to waste? So when you start to do that, you also start to decrease the pressure. Um, and you're 100% correct, recycling is a nightmare. For somebody who looks at waste facilities for a living and I go to all the materials recycling facility I'm going across the country, looking at Asia, I can tell yeah. you exactly where everything goes, but I I know the waste management companies will tell you whatever they want you to hear because that's what they make their money. That's the crazy. councils often don't know because they're getting told one thing. Um, and it, it is difficult. I've only just started to figure it out and I literally go to the facilities for a living. So it is confusing. And like Chris said, going to find the right person is, is really hard and just asking the right questions, right, asking the right people and deciding what you want to do. So start at your supply chain. That's why we've started where we have. Hey, Chris, I understand you're driven. And, and Chris and I have been going out and speaking to people and figuring out if people would want our service. And what we do and yeah. I've often come up with people going oh I don't even have a supply chain or I don't have any systems and processes you are like, mate do you buy things and what decisions do you use when you buy do you have an inventory do you just leave everything up to your waste management contractor or do you do it yourself um you know how do you do it in reality have you got a warehouse everybody's got it. How are you doing your petrol? How are you buying? You know, what, really. what are your decisions? That yeah. is your system and process, whether it's documented or not. And so like Chris says, it's it's helping those companies establish that data, establishing where they think they are, what they're actually doing, and
0: yeah. then being
2: able to come back and draw back and exactly like Chris says, lay it out. Um, and then adding to what Chris said, do you have a strategy? Do you actually have something that's going to guide you in the long term? Um, because whilst it's great to go straight into tactical response, if you've got more than five or six employees, you probably want to have a strategy that and a vision that your, comp- your company can buy into, that you've got goals and performance agreements in place with all your leaders. And then you also want to be able to know exactly where you're going because sometimes you actually want to get your basics and your fundamentals correct. Um, I worked for a company and we had a waste management, $10 million waste management um, contract. The invoicing was terrible. We didn't actually have a clue who was actually paying or who was doing what. We didn't know what was actually happening and, and where the budget was coming from. It was coming from so many different functional units. So get your compliance correct. Get how you actually operationally manage those things correct. Get your supply chain absolutely squeaky clean. Who's in charge? You know the 101s, Um, and then your tactical will fall from that. And then once you want to start to do your tactical, that's your second step. That's where Chris and I can go. Okay, let's go and get your tactical response. Some of the circular economy models that I'm seeing out there today, people are touting are, let's just look at your waste. It's not your waste. It's how you buy what you. Bring what is your inventory? How are you actually storing things? How are you capturing your data? Um, you know what is your thought processes? There's a lot more to the whole circular economy yeah. piece if you're a company, and it it doesn't have to be scary, and it doesn't have to be um, looking at your dirty laundry. It, it it's it's something that Chris have done and seen, and it's the same problems every single company seems yeah. to suffer from, whether you're a council, whether you're a massive company. And I think Chris and I are really interested because we really want to get into the retail space because that is fascinating That's and they're really great, aren't they?
0: Thank you so much for sharing that because it, it gave me also that little bit of overview of, you know, what to look at. And like you said, you know, where you store the things, like do you have storage? Do you have office? Have you buying things? Have you buying things for your office? Just just even office stuff, right? Paper and pens. And, and do you know where you buy it? Is that actually, you know, great choice? And all those small things that we actually don't think about in day-to-day operations, like, like we don't, right? And this is this is also touching me because I'm small business and and it's better to start now, like to wait when we will have, you know, the biggest offices or we will have spaces and we will go there and, and now already there will be behavior set. Because that's the hardest part because we want to basically do change management, right? Like the, the massive part of what you're doing is actually change management and change in mind change of behavior change in thinking and i love that you mentioned that because what i saw in organizations is actually everybody needs needs a change there is so much stuff you have to look at now when you think about behaviors and thinking if actually other businesses can go together when you think about that you know like when you actually can change people's mind and people's thinking and yeah. show them the importance of that and how that can have this cascade impact on everything, you know, how they run operations, they can rewrite all ops manuals, right? Like all processes, because there will be a few tweaks they can do in how they think about buying stuff or, or waste management or everything, and and they can change all company because there's thousands of people employed in you know oil and gas when you're going to bigger business. That means it it just feels like. Now we have an idea, right? Like I need someone to come to my business. and actually, you guys come and you just tell me, this is these are the questions I have. like this is what I need to analyze. And I think even from me reading about circular economy, I will be like, oh, well, I didn't think about that. Like there's something that I didn't think that I'm actually buying or you know shopping for like for the company. And yeah, it's absolutely amazing how everybody everyone in uh, who is listening or everyone in in Australia or in the world, can actually create a change. That means I feel like that is reducing my stress because I I know I can take small steps towards that. I can really start to understand what I can buy and how I can buy it. Do you have any suggestions or like, let's say I really want to change my business. Uh, I didn't have a look on my business from your perspective. Where should I go if I want to read what is right? Where should I go to see what companies are good as a suppliers? Or is there anything that already exists in the world that I can actually just have a look and say, you know what, this is it. I'm going to change suppliers or I'm going to change something in my company. No, I can see it's like, okay, <laughs> what she's asking that doesn't exist. I, I, I'm sure that exists something, right? Like something is in the world that you can have a look and start to.
1: I think it depends. It goes back to, I think, one of those points that, that Kim made is what what is it you want to do as a business? You know, what is your one of your key drivers? And, yeah. and I think back, again, back to Kim's point, it should be, what does your strategy say? So there's two things. Have you got a strategy? The answer would be yes or no. So it's a decision. Uh, have I got a strategy? You know, what? then what's that strategy trying to achieve? So therefore, you the key drivers. Um, now, if you have a great strategy, but then, what you've got to go and figure out is: is the strategy applied across? You know, the, the functions from back to this point of the point yeah. of needs, the point of well, the point of needs, the point of use, and thereafter, then to that kind of going downstream as well to so where Kim views in this waste stream. I, I had, that? Yeah. Sorry, Alex.
0: I was just going to say, yeah, that there will be the knee-jerk situation that Kim mentioned. That I will just go try to search on Google, and I will just do something that is not right. Yes. yeah yeah, that's that's that reactive mode right like i will search like okay what should i reduce what should i where should i buy something that means it's that situation that we don't have enough information or is confusing information out there that means i will just try to google something i will google it and now i will change everything and i can actually create some more mess than actually
1: yeah yeah so what are your key drivers in your strategy or have you got a strategy and then understanding the industry you're in you know what your targets should be. And that's yes. where Kim and I go back to looking at the supply chain and how you buy, your decision cycling yeah. and buying, because that produces the output, which is waste or yeah. carbon or you know water usage. Um, and I think that's the key thing. I, I mean, a, a good point to start sometimes is, is, you know, that carbon footprint, because your carbon footprint pretty much will cap- capture your scope one emissions, your scope yeah. three, Scope three emissions, and you know, I think we may have mentioned the stat before. Eighty percent of your scope three emissions come from within your supply chain. Yeah, your scope three emissions will exceed, you know, your one and two emissions by anywhere from five to, to to twenty-four times. That will give you a good indication of where your your problems do lie, and also within your your supply chain. Being eighty percent of your scope three emissions, and that other twenty percent normally, yeah, um, travel. You know business travel for for employees once you've kind of gone into that 80 percent 40 percent of that is our embedded emissions in products and services that companies buy yeah so that goes back to, to this point of yeah you know, the food supply chain then embedded people that can't even see where these emissions are and that emission normally results in waste of some description or how you use your supply chain how you travel your supply chain so I think, you know, understanding your, your carbon footprint, it will drill down into your waste um, is, is a reasonable place to start as well.
0: Taking that complexity of the problem, you know, or, or what we're trying to talk about, because it's really, really complex. Uh, it actually is making that simple because now I can see, you know what, it's it's basically like you run your business the same way. You need to first understand your outcome. What, what is actually that you want to achieve? Or what is yeah. your major goal? and major focus. And based on that, you can actually have a look and analyze your data and where you are at. That means now, you know, where you are at, you have starting point and you have end point. means now is just to figure out the journey. And I guess that's where you probably coming in, right? Like you can actually start to help people to figure out the journey without stress, without overwhelm and, and understanding what will be the best, maybe focus number one, you know, and focus or first stage to actually um, create a change. And, and I love that. I think that's, it's very logic to me, you know, like start with outcomes, start with the data, start to understand what is the the beginning and what is the end, what we want to achieve. And, um, yeah, I will probably ask because I know Kim actually didn't answer the question when I asked why do you think the circularity is important, right? And I know we we missed that because <laughs> we were jumping to different topics and I apologize, but I was, I was curious from perspective of you personally, like why do you think it's important now? You know, we can delete all the data and everything, but what do you feel like personally? Why is that important to go to circularity?
2: I feel we're never going to really hit the nail on changing climate change and reducing our emissions so that we can actually, you know, turn back the cycle, stop, Um, or slow it down. Yeah. And I think without circular economy, we're just not going to get there. So I believe circular economy is just so, so important for us as a culture, as a people to to actually reduce our carbon footprint that's what i
0: mean yeah i i I see it as well as when we change behaviors and we will start to think about it i feel also that will help us to connect more with other people from perspective of psychology from that perspective to go uh, going back into some probably old habits i guess yeah it'll really help us from perspective of feeling feeling better about ourselves i I think feeling connected and and create better relationships and everything i think it has actually impact on psychology, on our mental health. I believe all those things are really connected. And um, you know how you feel when you when you help someone, when you help planet. I think you know the same same. Like you help someone because you're actually taking care of more than yourself. And and I love that. I think that's that's really important.
2: And do you ask where we look. Is there any cute, quick lists? Um. There's is the No answer is that's uh, not that's not a good answer <laughs> it's not a good answer no but when I when I took on my role as the head of waste at our company um and say they, they used to say where do you look and, and why was I worrying about the administration waste in our office when we had yeah. huge big assets and huge big facilities we we're producing you know thousands of tons of waste and why was I looking at the footprint of your company where do you look? You don't know, but you do look yeah. at yourself. I think that's where you've got to look at where yourself and what can I do to reduce my own waste? If I go into my supply chains, um, you can spend hours and hours and hours going through YouTubes and looking through things. If you want to go and We're find wrong. what circular economy is about, go into Ellen MacArthur Foundation, do a bit of research there. Um but if a company is FCS, you know, forestry certified, if it's B certified, that's always a good start. But even then, yeah. there's always an e-jerk reaction. So take Nespresso, um, the pods, for example. They were running around saying, touting that they were recycled and, um, and they are. Everything in there is recycled. So you're using the pods that are recycling them. They were using a company who was who's great marketing. So this is the other problem, that there's a lot of really good marketing people out there. I think this is what you were saying. Amazing marketing companies. So I did a lot of research because I wanted to get them to be used for my company. Um, And it turned out that these guys were great recyclers. Nespresso dropped them like hotcakes because they um, quickly figured out that they were doing a lot of um, empty promises and empty recycling promises. Yeah. So they weren't doing the recycling thing. Um, there's a lot of those kind of greenwashing and a lot of companies that are not doing it. So it is unbelievably difficult. But step number one is I want to recycle. I have a small office on your council. What exactly is getting recycled? Can you send me a list? And I want to know exactly where it's going. There'll be a waste person there. And ask, 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 ask. Um, and, and they need and- to the research. Because they don't know. <laughs> no, and the problem is is, is that, as I say, I, that's what I did. And I don't know anybody else who used to actually do that kind of stuff for a job and for a living. And it is hard. It is really, really tough. You can go and ask a company. They've got a marketing spin. That is their value proposition. So they're going to tell you what they want you to hear and they're going to carry on spinning it the way you wanted to hear. You can then start to phone waste companies and start to phone around but I was looking for a place where my solar panels and my batteries for my company could get recycled. So I went to the clean energy, Australian clean energy corporation
0: yeah,
2: or their government energy finance, whatever. They were giving me misleading information. They were telling me that solar panels could get recycled anywhere, but it was, but it it wasn't even their fault because they didn't know. So yeah, Batteries, they were saying, oh, you just take it to these depots. Well, if you go to those depots, they go into Korea or going to Asia, and you've got human slavery and they are just getting thrown into bins in Asia. So there are kind there are yeah. battery recyclers in Australia that do it properly. How would you figure that out? I literally, without phoning these people yourself, I don't know. I literally yeah. don't know.
0: So many topics you can probably talk about, you know, like so many things that needs to be changed. But the thing is. Everyone is scared to change because change is bringing uncertainty. This is the struggle forever. This is the struggle for years, right? Like people don't like change. They want to be comfortable. Majority, 99% people are running their whole life like that. They don't want to move. They don't want to change. They want to still do the same thing. And, and it's so hard because we are programmed. We are Conditioned. So I mean, it's the hardest work I believe we all have is actually to start to change our behavior and the way we think. And and that's what is lying ahead of us all. And you guys, Chris and Kim, I believe that's that's a, your big task, you know, start to really changing the, changing the minds.
2: I love that. When I was at my company and I was asked to change waste management on our asset, it was a big asset, a massive asset with hundreds of people that worked there. Chris did work there. Um, we, I had to tell people, you know, you can't, but you've been here. We had to change the way we're doing, it. and nobody wanted a change. Yeah. So what we decided was exactly what you're saying. The only way you can induce a change is starting to make people change at the grassroots level, so that they can start to see things happen. And when you start to do that, it's amazing the impact and the psychology it ha- has upward. Yeah. So we yeah. said to everybody, you know, when you're using a piece of paper, do you need to use it? So put on your emails. This is, I mean, this was years ago. On your emails, do you need to print this out? Yeah, yeah, I remember little that. Thing. Yes. Yeah. You know, those tiny little movements that we started years ago. Do you need to keep your water um, what running while you're washing your hands? Can you wash your hands, turn it on, turn it off? Oh thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: little things That's that you fire. can do. That's my um, with my husband. It's like when you brush your
2: teeth just turn it off. <laughs> turn it off. Brush your teeth. Turn it back on again. Yeah. Do you need to have a 10-minute shower? You know <laughs> so many little things that you can start to think about. You're working from home. Have you got solar? Um is that economically viable? Where is your where's your rubbish going? Um Looking at compliance as well. So that was also what we're speaking to everybody. What's your compliance? Because you're responsible for your own environmental footprint. That's the legislation. It is very clear. I'm responsible for my footprint. Companies are responsible for their footprint. It doesn't matter how big or small. If I go and put illegal dumping and I put waste on the side of the road, I will get fined. And you can go and look online and you'll see everybody get fined. Companies get fined. Small, large. So it's your responsibility to follow the laws, your responsibility to manage your own footprint. What can you do different, you know, as a company, do you need to have, as you say, the latest and greatest electronic equipment? What can you do? Really, really just the small things. And once we started getting those small things going and we started getting people to think about it, shopping lists, you know, can you get a whiteboard and write them down or do you have to have a piece of paper every single time that you're crunching, scrunching up it's the brain. Brain away?
0: You know, there is, a, there is a, actually, a, because our brain is evolving, like our brain is the on, only organ in our body that is actually evolving all the time. And we can have brain as we have 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we, we can have even better brain when we are getting older. And the first and most important thing how to do it is actually go through your kitchen, check what you're missing and go back to shop without the list. And actually to start recalling what you saw in your pantry and you know fridge and and buy the stuff that you remember. Love it. That's the best training that you can start with. That means we have it here now. Okay. <laughs> that means it's actually building the better environment, but also is uh, training your brain. We have yeah. two in the one. I like that.
2: I <laughs> love it. And then also start to think like, you know, what else am I doing and what am I using a lot of? Do I need to use that? What can I do to make it better? I think
0: we can talk about a lot of examples, but uh, what I would like to do at the end, probably uh, just share where people can find you, how they can connect with you, uh, where maybe on platforms or social platforms or a website can find you. Well, we can be contacted
1: at (laughs) ecocssc.com. Or there is kim at ecocssc.com and also chris at ecocssc.com. If you have a website, so go and look at that. Yeah. Happy, there is a place there to contact us. Our website lays out our thought process, our philosophy, what we talk about with uh, circularity, sustainability, and optimization, uh, nice. the process that we go through as well. Uh, and then, the, as I said, there's a contact page. We have got a, a frequently asked questions page also. And we will start to launch our blog to coincide with this first podcast as well.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. What I would love to say, thank you very much for both of you. Uh, it's, it's so much value just to have conversation about it. And again, I guess improving or increasing my self-awareness as well. Uh, it really always helps to have those conversation conversations. And um, I think they're really important in our everyday life and I think we don't have them enough and I'm so happy you told me about the running water because I can actually play this section to my husband that means I can't wait for that because <laughs> like yeah I was right <laughs> and uh, not that I need to be right no that's not me <laughs> thank you so much for being here and I would like to ask the last question what are we going to talk about next time because I know we had a few conversations what will be the topic and I think this is very, very interesting for a lot of people and companies. Chris, can you uh let us know, or Kim, what is what we're we going to talk about? What will be our next session and why should be why everybody should be really excited for that?
1: Thanks, Alex. So I think one of the key messages we spoke about circularity uh, and the circular economy in that session. And, and the question was, you know, why why circularity? And one of the things that sits out for me. In, we also spoke about monetization. So there's two things. There's one, uh, why circularity? A company could be making huge amounts of um, profit, making a lot of uh, revenue. Um, but again, a lot of companies now will, will just be buying offsets where you know, potentially there's other opportunities to reduce their carbon footprint. But buying offsets is a very easy and simple way. Whereas if you look at the circular economy, potentially this is, becomes as a cost avoidance to a lot of companies so i don't need to be paying 75 dollars for carbon offsets because actually with some smart thinking and systems and processes within my supply chain i'm going to get to a level of circularity that will actually start to benefit the business as well and this starts to talk about we speak about monetizing uh, waste but this is actually cost avoidance and therefore that will in, in, hopefully will help the profitability of the business moving forward so we're going to explore more about the monetizing and customer audience of why circular economy can be very
0: important to business. That is really great. And I believe that's very positive for companies to understand that actually uh, doesn't need to cost them a lot of money. You know, it doesn't need to be so expensive to change and it can be actually really profitable for a company. I think that's all what we want to hear. And I believe there will be a lot of leaders to look for these KPIs, right? There that that will be great conversation, I'm sure. Kim, would you like to add something or yeah, all, all good? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I would love to end this session on this and I really can't wait to see you next time. And we will dive deeper into this topic and conversations about uh, the companies and how they can actually become more profitable with implementation of circular economy. Thank you so much.